Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi there, everybody. Welcome back. All right, plenty to get to. Lots happened here just over the last few days regarding a number of subjects, certainly education-related and jab-related. But first, let me start off on a positive note here and mention a few other things that are taking place that I think are going to come out here this month that are going to be really, really interesting. First of all, at the end of the week, at the end of last week, of course, it was mentioned that Joe Biden or whomever, whoever controls him and and how that's all working out, had told FEMA or FEMA had told him or a number of individuals had communicated that no one could go to East Palestine, Ohio, and provide funds and help and et cetera, et cetera. And then out of nowhere, Donald Trump says that he's going to East Palestine to survey the damage and meet with people and gather concerns and a number of other things. And then just like that, as soon as he made that announcement, all of a sudden FEMA then said that they were going to show up and provide help. Now, is that actually happening to date? I don't know because I don't have anybody there who I know. And uh, it's just, you know, other reports of other people. But the reason that I think that this is a good thing is this is another sign and an open sign that Donald Trump is in charge, that he is still the president of the United States. Of course, I've discussed that at length. And as to why, that certainly has to be the case. Written about it on the Substack, same thing. So again, this is from Becker News, and it just, again, this was on February 17th, but it says Donald Trump on Friday announced his decision to travel to East Palestine, Ohio, the site of the ecological disaster caused by a Norfolk Southern train derailment on February 3rd. The announcement was reported by Rogan O'Handley, a close associate of the former president, and again, they weren't receiving any FEMA attention whatsoever. Pete Buttigieg and others weren't giving it a moment's thought, and then all of a sudden he says he's going there, Donald Trump does, and then bang, FEMA is now going. So there's a joint statement from Ohio Governor DeWine and FEMA uh, saying that, yes, they are in fact going to go. It says, following further discussions with FEMA tonight, they will be deploying federal resources to East Palestine. That was from Mike DeWine. So again, who got to Mike DeWine? Who got to FEMA? You know, FEMA has always been a very shady organization. They are basically another military arm or a covert military arm of the United States government. They were certainly going to be weaponized against us even more than they already have in past moments. If, uh, If Hillary Clinton had won the election... That, that was theorized about at great length and written about at great length by a number of individuals that they were going to be responsible for gathering people up and hoarding people into particular directions and making them do particular things and, again, just being another long arm of government. So this is an interesting revelation. I still I, I do believe that it proves yet again that Donald Trump is in charge, that he's the one that holds all the cards, that the military is, of course, calling the shots, the good people in the military, of course. And, uh, and you know, that, that's just the ongoing civil war that's taking place behind the scenes that we may be aware of, but many are unaware of. So good news there. 
And again, hopefully that that turns out to be a, a positive thing. But again, for the people that live there and the homeowners there, just walking away from their entire properties because they don't want to risk even living there anymore, going back. You know, it's it, it's a it's a living nightmare for them. Um, there's also this regarding Donald Trump, and of course, him openly talking about bringing back public executions, having those be televised. Him mentioning this in his videos, saying that this is a part of his latest campaign. You know, that's a that's a that's a big deal, and that's uh, that's not something that's ever been said before by a previous president ever. I think that needs to be taken into consideration, the fact that that's never happened. And I think it's a direct shot over the bow of the deep state that he holds the cards, that he knows what's going on, and he's warning them again because uh, there's going to be justice and that we will see this justice. So there you go. Good news on that front, in my humble opinion. Here's the next thing. This, however, did happen uh, over the weekend, actually on Friday, that Cincinnati stopped using the Ohio River water, even though Governor Mike DeWine said that East Palestine chemicals have dissipated. Well, that's not true, and everybody knows that from all the videos that have existed out there. But uh, yeah, the Cincinnati water companies were testing the water and noticing that the Ohio River is also contaminated down around Cincinnati. So they've decided to shut that off, and that's going to pose a number of problems, I'm sure, in the future. To what length, I'm, I'm not sure. I could speculate. But that's certainly something that uh, you know I'm going to keep an eye on and, and see what else happens and see what else transpires regarding that. So, okay. There's this, too. Again, the pinata that keeps on giving, ladies and gentlemen, Simone Gold. Renette Sunham on her... Burnett Sunham's Foghorn Express Substack page had another discussion with Kevin Jenkins, who is the chair of the AFLDS Oversight Committee, and uh, they had about a 39-minute discussion. It was interesting. They, they really spent a lot of time talking about her just general behavior and her idiosyncrasies that, uh, that would indicate that she is not well, that she is certainly of a criminal mind, I, I think. And, and they allude to that. Simone Gold continues to use the AFLDS name. She is not associated with them any longer. She continues to say she's the president of AFLDS. She is not. And she's using it on all of their letterhead. And again, the looks on their faces, Renette and Kevin, they're, they're astonished that she's continuing to do this when a judge has clearly said she's not in charge. This is not hers anymore. It's beyond me, but uh, again, Kevin Jenkins spends a good deal of time alluding to the fact that their report is going to come out sometime this month. He said it was going to be the middle of the month. We're, we're kind of past the middle of the month now. But he said that uh, the amount of money that she was spending is, is way worse than what she was even alluding to and what other people have been alluding to. So again, when that information comes out, I'm sure I'll bring that your way. But if you're interested in watching that discussion, uh, it's an interesting one. And it is over again on Renette Sunham's Foghorn Express Substack page. Also, I might add, and this was absolutely hilarious. I'm glad that AJ sent this my way. 
He said, get a load of this. Uh, Simone Gold and John Strand are all in on diversity, equity, and inclusion and are apparently affiliating themselves with this group and this talk that happened on Saturday at that church that, of course, AJ mentioned earlier, and even Renette Sunham brings up that particular church also in her talk with, uh, with Kevin Jenkins. But the two of them, Simone Gold and John Strand, apparently are associating with this other guy named Cooper Dar, D-A-U-E-R, and it's titled, And a Special DEI Training. So this is the Values Advocacy Council, or VAC Family 2023, which took place on Saturday, February 18th from 9 to 3, and then from 6 to 8.30. And it says, Simone Gold, John Strand, and Cooper Dower, and Special DEI Training. One event. This is weird also. On this website, which is vac.org, they have Simone Gold's bio and John Strand's bio. Now, I don't think they know what a bio is. Because normally, again, you would put some of your credentials. You wouldn't put how you were treated by people. And you wouldn't put down how you were a victim of a particular thing. That's not what a bio is. But for Simone Gold's bio, it says, Arrested and placed in federal prison for walking through open doors at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, Dr. Gold has been the target of those that manufactured the COVID crisis because she announced in 2020 that HCQ and ivermectin could cure COVID, something that has been proven now by over 100 studies. Dr. Gold will talk about new information, her incarceration, the new attacks on her by insiders as they tried to discredit her and many other things. You don't want to miss this battle update from the front lines, quote-unquote. Now you can hear her side of the controversy. It's so ridiculous. Again, this woman is not well. She is not well, and she's using the speaking tour that she's engaging in to simply tell her side of things, which is not even accurate. Not to mention what I just read is not a bio. Again, normally you would talk about your medical history, something you've written, a speaking engagement, and then that's about it. Uh, John Strand's bio is even more ridiculous. It says the following, quote, John Strand is in the fight for his life, refusing to take a plea deal. John is fighting against the government who wants to sentence him to decades in federal prison for merely being by Dr. Gold's side at the Capitol on January 6th. They are trying to accuse him of trying to take over, quote-unquote, the Capitol, when he was merely walking in through doors opened by the Capitol Police. And this is despite the fact that the left has staged and forcibly entered the Capitol on numerous occasions. And they have two links. And then it says, everyone knows this is a farce except the brainwashed. Come here about his battle. It's just, it's a pity party. And it's this giant, uh, I'm a victim, come and listen to me talk. Again, John Strand has accomplished nothing. Simone Gold, you've heard me say again, the milk's gone bad. She's, she's passed any usefulness that she had. It's gone now. Now she's just stealing. 
This particular website, though, continues because, again, they've got the whole day laid out and all the speaking engagements, whatever else, and they're trying to add more speaking engagements for more things. But this particular church is beyond strange. And you've heard me bring it up before based on what AJ has said, and I believe it 100%. It also says this at the bottom. Again, this is the, let's see, Hillside, Hillside Church, San Jose. California. It says not Calvary, uh, 545 Hillsdale Avenue, San Jose, California, with a break for lunch. It says the following here. It says attendees to this event will get preferred seating at the Simone Gold event. Register for both events separately. You will receive a special pass at the EBLM event for special reserved seats. Now, what does EBLM mean? It then says, sign up for Every Black Life Matters training. This class includes all the information you need to battle wokeness in your colleges, schools, businesses, and friends. With two dynamic teachers, you won't be bored as you learn how to interact with the edge of the progressive envelope. High school kids can learn a lot from this as well. See if you can bring your almost woke college kids. We will de-woke them and take all their questions. Attendees will be given a special pass during the day that will give them the best seats in the house for the evening VAC event with Simone Gold. You must register separately for both. And they've got pictures of these three people at the bottom, of course, Simone Gold, John Strand, and uh, this Cooper Dower guy. And that's about it. This whole thing is strange. Uh, Again, battling diversity, equity, and inclusion, or are they supporting it? What exactly? What exactly is this? I would I would assume it's again dismantling wokeism is is of course the training. I I I get that, but uh, I I don't know who's controlling this. Again, I I've been told. That again, this is a Jewish run church that is basically trying to profit off of the participation of Christians. It just, the whole thing is so weird and it's so vague, too. Talk about a fall from grace. I mean, this woman was on massive stages, even on much larger platforms, so to speak, but now she's down to this. She's now trying to grift at the very local and small level. Again, it's sad because it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. And she's she's trying to manipulate people still and steal their money. You know, you have to pay to register. Uh I, I just don't I, I don't know who would pay for this anymore. It's disgusting. So that happened apparently on Saturday. I'm I'm sure it was less than entertaining. Anywho, moving on here to education. This was a particular uh, you know, subject that I mentioned on Gab, and I found it interesting that really no one was asking any serious questions about it, let alone bringing it up. Again, it has to do with East Palestine, but what was going on with their school district? What was going on with the East Palestine, East Palestine school district during the train derailment? So I looked up on their website what they were doing. And again, you can't make up this level of stupidity. First of all, they closed school the week of the derailment. But during that week, they had parent-teacher conferences. 
So students couldn't show up for school, but they wanted the parents to show up to still have conferences with their children's teachers. And they still had sporting events. The girls' volleyball team was still playing in a game, and other people were still playing their games, and they were still doing all of that. Again, the stupidity regarding all of this is crystal clear and at face value. They bought the COVID lie, they bought the mask-wearing lie, and I'm sure that they forced the masks on all of their children. Now, there's an actual biological agent in the air that's causing people to cough up blood and experience numerous health side effects and health effects from all of this. And no one's wearing any masks of any kind. And they're saying, well, we're going to close school for a week, but don't worry, we're still going to have parent conferences and, uh, and sporting events for your children, and those activities will still take place. The larger problem here for me, and it should be the larger problem for everyone, which is why I have screamed from the mountaintops as long as I can here to homeschool, is that we saw what everybody did during 2020. Look what this local community has done now during this particular attack and this, whatever you want to call it, a a purposeful, catastrophic, structural failure or deliberate attack, however you want to categorize it. And I think it's both. I don't think, again, that these attacks have to necessarily be just a terrorist attack, just a deep state attack, or just a... uh, you know, a case of negligence among individuals who work within this particular business, whether it be transportation or something else, the food industry, whatever. It can be both. Both of these things can exist at the exact same time. But look at how the school, the, the school officials themselves have handled this entire situation. These are not bright people. These are not individuals that you need dictating how you as a family manage yourselves within a particular environment. They, I mean, they're government. They're just government. I don't, know, I don't know what else to really add other than to simply say it's, it's just government. Now, they can't be trusted. And even the local news outlet had audio associated with this. And again, some of the parents were concerned. They're going, well, you know, what are we supposed to do? And the school district said, well, don't worry. We're not going to have them drink the water, but... Uh, you know the water fountains are all closed and we've we've put tape all over the water fountains so they can't be used there's an out of order sign on all of them so other than that everybody's going to be 100% fine they don't know that no one knows that and again why would you want to leave all of those health decisions up to a school district and have them decide for you This is, it feeds into the much larger problem, as you might imagine, of the complete forfeiture of being a parent to government and letting government make all of the family and home decisions about everything what you learn, your safety, the air you breathe, the water you drink. When you just let government pull all of those strings all of the time without the the parent or the family having any individual say in the matter, you can't expect to survive for very long. It's just not going to work out for these people in the long term if that's what they keep doing. You would think, again, that 2020 
would be the lesson for everybody and what happened in 2020 would be enough, but it hasn't been. They just went along with it. No, well, you know, now we're back to normal. There's nothing normal about this. We're under attack. Our country's under attack by deep state players and these organizations and these companies that are interested again in cutting corners and making money and infecting copious amounts of people. I don't know why you would want your children or your family anywhere near that, let alone in a school building where they're going to come up with their own ideas. And learning is the last thing that's happening. Blows me away. It seems so unsafe. It just seems so unsafe. So that happened also, certainly over the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to bring that to everybody's attention because, again, that's not that's not a particular subject that a lot of people I've I've heard bring up. You know how how exactly did the did the school district handle all of this? Well, as it turns out, poorly. And does that shock anybody? It shouldn't. Speaking of school districts handing, handling things poorly, here's another one, and this is a local issue. Uh, you heard me bring up this particular school district a while back, certainly during the election. And there were numerous schools, of course, all across the United States, but certainly around where I live too, where they were trying to, of course, increase the taxes for a school levy so that they could help fund their schools for all their stupid ideas and their stupid projects. And, you know, maintain the illusion of education and maintain the degeneracy that continues to exist. Uh, This particular school district is Ross Local or Ross Public Schools, Ross Public City Schools, however you want to call it. But they are within the same conference as the high school in the town where I live, and certainly in the same county, they are actually, and again, you can't make up this level of stupidity, this is actually authentic, their previous school levy failed. And again, when that vote took place last year, I'm not entirely sure, I don't know if it was on election day or if it was in the springtime, whatever, but they've decided to now put another tax levy on the ballot for the spring election coming up here. And not only did the last levy not pass and fail miserably, but this one, they're actually increasing the amount of money that property owners and taxpayers would lose. They would now lose an extra $27 and change. It's either $24 or $27, somewhere around there. And they actually think it's going to pass. And I had a and I I saw this on one of those little small town newspaper things as I was in this uh, this antique mall where my mom has a an antique booth. But I was talking with this woman as I was as I was making a purchase, and she, she works there, and she's a former school teacher, so she said. And uh, and I I mentioned I, I saw the newspaper there, and I mentioned the Ross headline that was on it, and I said, so Ross is going to try it again. Kind of with disappointment in my in my voice, as if to say these people are stupid. And this woman behind the counter said, "Well, you know what?" She said, "I, I just wish that the community would just rally around these students and these teachers, and rally around that school district because they really, you know, they just really need the help." And I, you know, I I didn't lean into her at all because I just didn't have the effort, and I I really didn't care, and I didn't want to. And uh, and she said, "Well, I'm a former school teacher, and 
again, I just wish that they'd really rally around him. She, and then she said this. She said, we have a, a sophomore uh, in that school district who comes in here on a semi-regular basis. And, and he's talking about how his sports program, that he has to pay out of pocket for his sports program. And he has to pay out of pocket now for his STEM program and all of this other stuff. And it's just exhausting to him that he has to pay more and more and more. And, and these are things that the school should be paying for. And again, you know, I, I wanted to slap her, but <laughs> I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. The schools, the, the school shouldn't even have these things. It shouldn't even have STEM. STEM is a made up, government run, money laundering operation designed to weed out males from the technology aspect of things, force girls into it who might not even be interested in it, and then ultimately force them into the workforce so that they can't raise a family. That's the long-term nefarious goal of STEM, and always has been. No different, again, than thrusting women into the workforce so that they can't have children, can't get married, or if they do, they end up divorced and unhappy and a thousand other things. And then before you know it, uh, you know, they openly start talking about not wanting to have children and not wanting to raise a family. It's, it's the feminism movement. And as we know, that was started by the Rockefellers for the purpose, again, of destroying the nuclear family. Well, that's what STEM is designed to do also. STEM is just a small little leaf on the branch of destroying the nuclear family. That's part of it. But it's also associated with this giant illusion that you have to have these quote-unquote STEM experiences or say that you've been in STEM classes and whatever it may be on your, on your resume or on a college application and that that's the only way you'll get a job and that's the only way you'll get into college. Well, that's just not true. None of that's true. It's a giant illusion. And again, why is he paying for a STEM program? I thought that was just a class. I thought that was just a class you take. Why is it that they're paying into it? What is it that the teacher is doing that requires the children to pay money? So I held my tongue when she said all of that. And I, and I just, and every, you know, there were a couple other people within an earshot and, and they weren't saying anything. And, uh, and I thought to myself, these people aren't learning. They're just not learning. They're not learning that it's not the school that's really going to pay for anything. It's us. You know, it's, it, it's the property owner. It's the taxpayer. It's the hardworking American who is, who, you know, again, is, is working paycheck to paycheck and doesn't want to lose 27 extra dollars per year based on the amount of money that they would already lose during a giant tax levy. Uh, it, they want nothing to do with it. So yeah, fire people, get rid of these stupid programs. But see, this is also the larger problem. The larger problem is that these are state-mandated programs now. So this is, again, what we're actually watching is, is we're watching complete misdirection. You're watching all these school employees complain to the public that we are the problem as to why we're voting no on all these tax levies, when really the people that they should be pointing all their anger toward are the state officials at the State Department of Education and certainly the Federal Department of Education for encouraging all these programs to exist. 
again, they're not free. They cost money. You have to hire the very people to do these particular things anyway. But that's where the energy should be directed toward. It should be directed toward the state officials and say, look, we can't afford this anymore. Stop forcing us to have these particular programs. But what they also don't know, which is the interesting part, is if it isn't law, then, then that means that local school districts and local school boards themselves can vote out these particular programs. You can get rid of STEM. America did just fine without STEM classes, didn't we? In fact, we did better when they didn't exist. There's no proof that having STEM programs in schools increases anything that's positive. In fact, I would argue that it makes everything worse for a variety of reasons. But they're pointing their guns in the wrong direction. It doesn't have to do with the public that doesn't want to be robbed anymore. It has to do with government purposefully making government too big and unaffordable. That's the real problem. So, yeah. I'm not sure what else I can add. I mean, I could rant about taxes all day long, I suppose, but these people will never learn. I would be shocked if this, if this levy passes. Absolutely shocked. In fact, there's no way it will. It didn't the last time, and now they're dumb enough to actually raise the amount of money that everybody would lose and then try it again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the mind frame of the people who run these places. They're not bright. They're never going to win awards for intelligence. But, you know, they're, they're going <laughs> they're, they're to keep giving themselves awards for uh, it being School Board Appreciation Month uh, in the month of February in Ohio or whenever the hell it was. I think it's still this month. Either way, you know, we're, we're doing our best to help as many people as possible. We, we care about all the children in the area. But they really don't. Because again, it, be it really does beg the question, when was the last time that they had a giant town hall meeting as a school district? And I know that people could do this during an actual school board, but as you've heard me say, and as you're well aware, there's no dialogue back and forth. There's just walk up to the microphone, say your, say your two to three to four minutes of what you want to say, and then leave. And uh, the board just stares at you like you're a zombie. And they stare at you like they're zombies. And that's, that's about it. There's no actual dialogue back and forth. There's no question and answer. And therein lies the problem, which means they're never going to figure out what they're doing wrong as a school district. But again, they're full of themselves and they're wrapped up in their own profession. And they think that there's no way in hell that anybody on the outside could possibly know more than they do. Which again is why... When people show up to school board meetings, they typically rattle off their credentials because you want to remind them that they might not be the smartest person in the room, that someone might know a little bit more than they do. But these are not people that are interested in communicating with the public. These are people who are interested, again, all these school board members, they're interested in simply ramming home what they want to ram home, no matter what. And it's, it's disgusting. So that will fail. I sure, I sure hope it does anyway. Okay, here's a funny one. And Cicely sent me this. This was, this was hilarious. I saw this a uh, couple of weeks back too. Uh, and it had to do with the chat GPT AI program and how college students and even high school students, I should say also, 
are using this to cheat. They're using it to cheat on papers. They're using it to cheat on tests. They're asking the AI program all kinds of questions and explanations, and it's providing them answers. And then, of course, they're using those answers as their answers, sometimes rewording them, sometimes not. And then uh, and they're getting caught, as it turns out, by some of their professors. So this comes from the New York Post. Again, it is titled, Chat GPT Cheating Scandal Erupts Inside Elite Program at Florida High School. It says, students in a Florida high school's elite academic program have been accused of using chat GPT and, and artificial intelligence to write their essays, according to a report. The head of Cape Coral High School's prestigious international baccalaureate program flagged the suspected misconduct to staff in a flurry of internal emails that were later obtained by a local NBC affiliate. Quote, there have been some IB papers that are questionable in, in a few ways, the staffer wrote this month in one message, including being very different styles of writing from previously submitted papers. <laughs> of course, of course, that's the easiest way to, to, to catch cheating, is all of the sudden, the style in which the person is writing is way more articulate, and in this case, a robot, as opposed to uh, the incomplete sentences that might be typical of a high school student. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what else I can add to this other than the fact that this is, uh, this is just more proof of what happens when the internet comes back to bite these people right in the backside. You know, they claim to be all about STEM, ladies and gentlemen, and they claim to be all about uh, technology use and increasing literacy and online literacy. And then one of these AI programs that the enemy creates gets used against the enemy and they don't like it. I think it's funny. A couple of quotes here on the discipline. It says, <laughs> it's great. It says, I have all, it says, quote, I have already had a few come forward to me and we are working through it, they wrote. And then elsewhere, the coordinator said that she intended to confront suspected cheaters who don't admit wrongdoing. Those who don't cop to using AI for their assignments will face more severe consequences if school officials later confirm misconduct, she noted. The scandal spurred the staffer to warn parents about the illicit use of AI and the potential life-altering consequences that could follow. Life-altering. Getting caught cheating on a paper is life-altering, according to these people. Amazing. Amazing. How about just the false information that they're teaching? You see, that's the, the for me, again, that's always going to be the constant thread that runs through all of this, that they are teaching things that are not real on a constant basis, science class, history class, you name it. It is, you're using brainwashed and indoctrinated teachers who don't know that they're brainwashed, because why would they? And then you're asking them to teach subjects that are purposely formulated to trick people in particular, the students of the brainwashed teacher themselves, and no one will be the wiser. But then you start using one of these AI platforms, and it starts providing alternate answers to these particular questions, and, I might add, might actually provide the truth. 
But if the truth is provided and the student knows what that truth is and submits it anyway and has the assignment come back to them saying that they're wrong, when in fact they're right, what kind of an environment is that? Again, in my opinion, that's the biggest reason to homeschool right there. It's just not factual information that's being taught. Even if the AI program provides the same kind of answer that a classroom textbook would provide, which again won't be factually accurate, it's simply reinforcing a bad answer. But they're getting it now in two separate places in two separate platforms, and the student is likely to believe that it's real. As will, of course, the teacher. This is the larger problem. The curriculum is wrong. The curriculum is, is, not, is not accurate. Which leads me to this, uh, two, two stories really in the exact same vein here that uh, continue to prove that teaching factually accurate things is not what the school environment is interested in doing. Two stories here from Breitbart very quickly. The St. Louis Gender Clinic told teachers to encourage whole fifth grade group to be transgender. It says a gender clinic in St. Louis, Missouri, encouraged fifth graders, local fifth grade school teachers rather, to affirm the transgender quote-unquote identity of an entire group of children. The Washington University Transgender Center at the St. Louis Children's Hospital, which made headlines last week after a former employee and whistleblower, Jamie Reed, exonerated the morally and medically appalling practices of the clinic, reportedly instructed the teachers to encourage transgenderism on children. And then again, there was another article on Breitbart from that exact whistleblower, who apparently is remarkably hard left, this Jamie Reed individual, a 42-year-old St. Louis native, a queer woman, and politically to the left of Bernie Sanders, is the one who is saying that uh, they're using puberty blockers and prescribing such drugs and hormone treatments as well as genital mutilation surgeries, and uh, they are permanently harming children within the Washington University Transgender Center. Well, no kidding. It is called the Transgender Center, after all. So what are they expecting exactly? Uh, I want to mention this too, shifting gears slightly and into the school violence realm. This story was making the rounds last week too. This also comes from Breitbart, a 12-year-old boy allegedly choked by a girl on a school bus and the children are afraid to come forward. Now I want to break this down relatively quickly because again it continues to show the hypocrisy among unawake parents who just don't know what the hell is going on. It was, a, it was a white child, a white boy, and he's being choked by a large black female. Violence on school buses is common. Happens every day on multiple school buses in every single school district all across the United States of America. It's not new. Someone filmed this, of course, back in January. And it wasn't until the mother became remarkably upset that the school district wasn't doing anything and there was really no strong discipline including a potential, well, well, there really was, a court order basically saying that the female student has to stay 50, 50 feet or 50 yards away from the male student. The mother continued to send her son to this school, 
and continued to have her son ride the bus. In this particular interview, too, when she's talking with this reporter, she says that her son was not wanting to go to school, was remarkably nervous, and that the student was even, the female student, of course, was even in the same hallway as as her son, and they would pass each other in the hallway, and he would get scared and, and whatever else. Again, your son is old enough to read and write. Why are you sending him to this prison environment where he's afraid? This is the direct connection between absent-minded parents and the mental and emotional destruction of their children. The correlation is crystal clear. If parents are unaware how easy it is to break the mind of a child, even though there's all these ridiculous programs out there talking about resilience among children, we need to make them all resilient and mental and emotional head cases and you know, don't worry, it's the school environment that's, that's really going to facilitate and yet fix all of these problems. The parent who believes that the school system is going to solve anything, as again, they continue to send their own child into these meat grinders of, of school buildings, she's going to get her son killed. Her son, again, is going to start harming himself. He's going to get old enough to figure out what drugs are. That will become a thing. He'll be violent with other people potentially in the future. That will be a thing. All of this has a direct connection. Instead of just pulling him out permanently, saying it's our responsibility as parents to protect you, that's an unsafe environment, you're never going there again. And then they look into homeschooling and, wow, wouldn't you know it, they come across Becca.com and they realize that it's not expensive that they have a free and healthy environment to learn and live in all at the exact same time, that it's not a nine-to-five kind of thing, and that they get to do basically what they want to do as, again, they're learning a number of different subjects. Now, again, is the curriculum going to be 100% accurate? No, of course not. But if they have the right technology in front of them, and the child does, the child's going to figure that out eventually. Because they're going to start asking themselves questions and looking up information and coming across alternative views. Or you could send him right back to that environment where he's being choked on the school bus by a giant female with no consequences whatsoever. This is the fault of the parent. End of story. It's the fault of the parent. I don't know if they're a single mother. I don't know their home situation. But what I do know is you can teach your child to stay home by themselves and learn on their own and give them some adult responsibility like that, and they'll probably step up to the plate. Again, this is a, this is a law-abiding male student who recognizes wrongdoing and his entire physiology, his whole body is telling him to stay away from the environment. But what is mom doing? Mom keeps sending him back. That's what, that's what deteriorates the mind of youth, is you, you train them to not have instincts anymore. You rip those instincts right out of them, and you just keep sending them back into this very unhealthy environment where they can't logically defend themselves. If that male student defends himself logically, again, even physically, if he has to, if he's, if he's physically attacked, he's going to be held accountable for physically attacking somebody or defending himself. That's not fair. Not to mention, again, ma- many of us have been in those situations. Why would you want to walk down 
a hallway knowing that you're walking right past a person who physically assaulted you. I mean, you, you know where they are. You can see them. You can feel their presence. You know that they're there. Why would you want to go back to that? And again, what logical parent would send their child back into that environment? We're at war, for God's sakes. There's a war in our country. The war is right here. World War III is right here. And one of the major battlegrounds is and has always been the American school. I'm telling you, you've got to make these places destitute. They don't need to exist anymore. They just don't. And I pray that I live long enough to see it completely and utterly collapse. Because it has to. Now this leads me into the higher education realm for just a moment. and, And it leaks directly into the jabs. This past week, there was an individual from Johns Hopkins University and their nursing program, and they were testifying to senators. I'm going to play the five-minute clip here from Rand Paul, sort of as lukewarm as, as he can possibly be, of course, but he's addressing this woman regarding their shortages, and he's basically looking at her and he's saying, look, you have all these shortages. You're claiming that you're for medical freedom in your institution, and yet you're forcing all of your students to receive three shots, three COVID shots. How is that medical freedom? And then he starts bringing up myocarditis, and he says, don't you know that this is a thing? Don't you know that this is happening? She tries to again pass the buck, and well, I'll take that into consideration and whatever else, but ladies and gentlemen, it's it's just too late. It's far too late. These institutions have destroyed themselves permanently. They've lost all credibility. It's been shown now that they're incapable. These universities, colleges, whatever you want to call them, even even the nursing institutions have, have clearly shown that they're incapable of individual thought. They are controlled from the top down. And that they don't think for themselves and the people within their environment, let alone investigate anything let alone consider alternative facts to the issue or alternative sides, which might actually be the factual side. So it says this, again, this is from Becker News, but the clip is uh, is on Rumble. Senator Rand Paul, Republican Kentucky, ripped the dean of Johns Hopkins School of Nursing on university vaccine mandates at a Senate hearing on Thursday. Senator Paul pointed out, that many other nations have more medical freedoms than Americans when it comes to making their own health decisions. Dr. Sarah Santon, if I'm saying that right, testified at the Senate's Examining Healthcare Workforce Shortages hearing, which addressed the doctor and nursing shortages nationwide. Again, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one reason why there's a massive shortage. They are sick, they are dying, and they've been fired, or they don't want to enter the profession because they're going to be forced to be jabbed. And they know that this is a biological weapon. That's why. So here's Rand Paul. Again, he's not not the strongest voice in the room. I know that if Dr. Fauci was in front of him, he'd probably be a little louder. But, uh, but here is, here's Rand Paul going after this Dr. Zanton. Give this a listen. 
Thank you, uh, Dr. Zanton. Are you uh, pro-choice with regard to patients making individualized medical choices? Broadly, thank you. Yes. Are you uh, aware that your university is uh, doesn't allow choice with regard to vaccination? That you require all of your students to have three vaccines in order to be students. Okay. Yes. So it's sort of choice, but not so much when regarding vaccination. Um, are you aware of the increased risk of myocarditis with the COVID vaccine, particularly with successive COVID vaccinations in uh, males between the ages of 16 and 24? Um, Senator, thank you for the question. I'm prepared to talk about the nursing crisis and well, that we have yeah. vaccine requirements across the board for well, a lot. Here's, of here's the problem. If you exclude everybody from being a nurse who believes in basic immunology, you're going to include a lot of smart people, people who believe that you can get immunity from both vaccination as well as infection. And if you say, well, we're just not going to take the people who believe in that old-fashioned infection thing, providing immunity, we're only going to take the people who will do as they're told. I mean, do you think individuals should be traded the same uh, when they come to the emergency room? You've got an 18-year-old with chest pain and a 68-year-old obese diabetic with chest pain. You think they get treated the same in the emergency room? There are differences based on age. We used to always make differences even on the flu vaccine. We, 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 we advise it for people at risk. We've, we've done this forever. This is the first time we've done it. We're now doing it with an experimental vaccine, one that's not been approved. Do you think that prior infection affects your immunity? Senator, I'm, I'm not, I don't make the choices about the vaccinations. That's at Johns Hopkins University. Right, but you're a leader at Johns Hopkins University, and you could well have your opinion stated. Dr. Marty McCary is there, and Dr. Marty McCary has been very active in this. He has looked at the uh, incidence of myocarditis, and he says it's 28 times more likely to get myocarditis from the vaccine than from COVID for a particular cohort of young men. Uh, women, it also applies to, but more men than women. I assume you have men and women in your nursing program. This is a big deal, and it might, it might affect. It affects the Marines. It affects everybody else. We finally fixed it with the Marines. We're not making them do it anymore. But the thing is, is you're at, a, at a, an institution of higher learning. We should have questions. And I know sometimes we have to do as we're told, but you're also dean of the school. You have a voice. And we should be curious about things. In Britain, France, Germany, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, they don't have university mandates on this. Some countries don't recommend it for children at all. There really is a debate and discussion. You can have an opposite debate, but if you believe in choice, when something has a debate and there's arguments on both sides, you'd give people the choice. So the CDC did a study of a million patients. That's a pretty big study. It's an observational study, but it's a large study. And they asked, what are the chances that you will go to the hospital? They divided into different groups. One group was vaccination, and it showed a 20 times, and this has been repeated a lot, 20 times lowering of your rate of going to the hospital if you've been vaccinated. And I think most people accept that. That doesn't stop transmission. So when you mandate this, you can't make any arguments about protecting other people. It's only about you at this point. But what they also found in this study of a million people was that people who had not been vaccinated but had been infected on a prior occasion by COVID were 57 times less likely to go, likely to, go to the hospital. So it really, it isn't an argument against vaccination. I mean, if you haven't been infected, you ought to be vaccinated, but you ought to have a choice. You're not giving people any choice. And actually, this applies to all your universities. None of your universities, I think you all mandate three vaccines. 
And frankly, I think the literature actually shows it to be malpractice. That's why you should all have a voice in this. Um, a large study in Israel shows that the rate of myocarditis among vaccinated is about 1 in 3,000 to 1 in 6,000. There's another, another study that shows it's 40 times greater. So between 28 and 40 times. And this isn't an argument against vaccination. It's an argument for thinking. And, and understanding that people of different ages could respond differently. And so my hope and what I would offer to all of you is that people should speak up. We are living in a world where everybody sticks their head in the sand and says, do as you're told, take three vaccines. And there are people with myocarditis that are seriously ill. Currently, I mean, think about this. Here's a question. Your 15-year-old your kid has had, has had COVID, takes the vaccine, and has myocarditis enough to be hospitalized, what would you do? Would you give him another vaccine? Thank you. I'm, I'm not, I will take into consideration what you've said and I'll bring it back to you. Well, it's an individual decision and you ought to be able to answer, at least be honest and look backwards. The thing is, is the CDC says if your kids had myocarditis, got sick and went to the hospital, as soon as he gets better, give him another one. I think most parents in the country would say that's a stupid idea and defies all common sense and they would resist this. But when the government tells you to do it and it's a really stupid idea that defies common sense, guess what? People lose trust in government. People, you, we want to have trust in the people running our medical schools and our nursing schools. But somebody needs to ask these questions. Dr. Marty McCary's doing it. Dr. Vinay Prasad's doing it out at UC San Francisco. And it's a growing movement. But I would hope that you all will open your minds to at least thinking about the choice of the individual in medicine. There's an awful lot there in that one audio clip. Uh, I'll start here. I'll say, first of all, it doesn't matter. It's too late. It's too late. These institutions have forced two, three shots on copious amounts of people, their students, their staff. It's too late. Number two, the Dr. Zanton person, the dean of the school, can't even make the connection that the reason for their nursing shortage is because you have sick, dead, and copious amounts of students who don't even want to attend because they don't want to be sick, jabbed, and dead. She doesn't think that that's a thing. She doesn't even think that those two things correlate with one another. It blows me away. How does she not know this? On top of that, of course, you know, I'm not a fan of Rand Paul. He's a politician. He could have been screaming about this from the word go, but he didn't. He sat on his hands because he was told to. All these politicians were told to sit on their hands. None of these politicians in 2021 or 2022 we're talking about the shots until Rand Paul started going after Fauci and Ron Johnson started going after, you know, the, the, the vaccine manufacturers and talking with these doctors about what was going on. Other than that, no one else has said a thing. No one has said a thing. These institutions are permanently destroyed by the actions of the people who work within for their inability to connect basic dots put money and profit over personal health, well-being, and the lives of the people who attend, and now they have a massive shortage and they can't figure out why. Again, these are not smart people. They are brainwashed, of course, or they know exactly what's going on and they're just perpetuating the lie to continue to get paid, but they actually think they're going to keep getting paid in the future. That's not going to happen. Eventually, their job will cease to exist. Their position will cease to exist because there's nobody there anymore. 
It can't, I, I don't think it can get any clearer than that. And speaking of universities and the jabs within universities, again, this is, uh, this is going to continue to be a huge problem. One of Deion Sanders' former players at Jackson State, who is a player at Jackson State University, Kasim Valls, has suffered cardiac arrest, according to his family, and had to be revived. He is still in the hospital, and his father has basically taken over his Twitter account to provide updates. But here's one of the later latest ones, I guess. It says, update, this is Kasim this is Kasim's father. Okay. Kasim had a heart biopsy to take some tissue samples to see the cause of everything yesterday. The lab work be back until Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Sentences. Anyway. But he is progressing well in the right direction. He opened his eyes yesterday. He is in stable condition. He is fighting. Please continue to pray for him as he has a long way to go. But again, he going in the right direction. Thank you, everyone, for your love and support for my son, Kasim. I'll continue to update you guys. Love you. Unquote. Deion Sanders is jab injured. Almost lost his leg, lost two or three toes on his left leg, and had blood clots taken out of his left leg. No one told Deion Sanders it was jab-related. Deion Sanders apparently doesn't think it's jab-related. Deion Sanders left Jackson State for Colorado University, or University of Colorado, and now he's their head football coach, where I'm sure the jab is required for everybody. Now one of his former players falls face down from a heart attack where, again, Deion Sanders was pushing the jabs for everybody and the institution was doing the same. I wonder if Deion Sanders is making the connections now. Blood clots in his leg, and then one of his players, his former players, has a heart attack. It can't get any clearer, but these people are so embedded in what they do they don't know which way is up. It's just nuts. Every single university needs to stop these shots immediately. They should have never allowed them in the first place, but it doesn't matter. It's too late now. It's just way too late. Believe it or not, there is some positive news here, even though, again, it's still way too late and the damage has been done. But uh, I came across this particular post on the Chan boards, and I tossed it up on Gab, and I want to give it a quick read here. Again, take this with a grain of salt. This was from, uh, from Great Britain back on February 17th from an alleged insider as to what's going to be happening with these booster shots, certainly in Great Britain, and that might have some impact on what happens with their distribution and continued uh, rollout here in the United States. It says this, quote, ONS Bod here. This decision was made because of money, not health, sadly. There will be data being released by the ONS, Government Office of National Statistics, at the start of April. That shows not only are the mRNA vaccines not safe and effective, but that it basically doesn't work. UK data shows that it's only mildly effective at reducing symptoms and even then only for a period of two to six weeks. 
It also has zero effects on transmission. The primary reason for banning the boosters and reducing availability of the mRNA vaccines to highly at-risk people only is that it's costing the NHS much more to treat vaccine side effects than it costs to vaccinate. It's not a health decision, it's purely about money. It's actually much worse than that. The clots are a very small problem compared to the reduction in fertility and the two big health issues. We basically have immune system failure in 30-35% to of the vaccinated and heart problems in 10-15% to of them. The UK government will have to acknowledge this when the data gets released at the start of quarter two, usually 6th of April. Or maybe they won't acknowledge, maybe they will just ignore and hope people don't notice, as has been the modus operandi so far. They said, I'm not trolling, I actually work for the ONS as a systems administrator and I'm responsible for the systems that store and analyze the data. The data release are compiled three months in advance so I get a chance to have a look and see the reports before they get published, unquote. That'll be interesting to see if that happens. It'll be interesting to see what the medical community, so to speak, thinks about that because uh, that leads me to this next piece of audio. This was from the dummies over on the Today Show. And, uh, yeah. You can't you can't make up this level of stupidity regarding the women over there and the people over there and the, the fake doctors that they have over there pushing these shots. Every single word of what they say in this audio clip is a lie. Give this a listen. Aaron McLaughlin. Aaron, uh, thank you. Joining us with more is NBC senior medical correspondent Dr. John Torres. I think we should start off with something that a lot of people think and I think needs to be cleared up. There are a lot of people who believe it is the COVID vaccine that causes heart issues, not COVID itself. Can you just clear that up? COVID itself, there's such a higher risk of getting a heart issue from COVID, especially myocarditis. And when you look at the statistics, myocarditis, you're 11 times more likely to get it from COVID itself than you are from the vaccine. When it comes to heart attacks, there's been no direct connection between the vaccine and heart attacks or cardiac arrest. There have been some reports, but those reports were usually somebody who had a heart attack the day after getting the vaccine, which means the vaccine really hadn't had time to do anything in their body. It's so interesting to see that COVID clearly has an impact mm-hmm. on heart health. And that's regardless of age, but more pronounced in this younger group. Can you just explain that? So we do know that in in the elderly, those that are older, you have more heart attacks overall, but the rate is increasing higher in this younger age group, which is a surprising factor. And years ago, when the pandemic first started years ago, you know, three years ago, we thought of it as a respiratory virus. Then we started thinking of it, oh, it can also be a vascular virus because we know it affects the blood vessel linings themselves. We talked about the inflammation, the stress that goes behind this. It's not a cold. It is a bad virus. Well, interesting in Aaron's piece, there was that young athlete who said she had mild COVID symptoms. It wasn't even like she had devastating COVID symptoms. Does it matter if you have long COVID versus mild symptoms? And that's one of the other things. It doesn't seem to matter at all because what we do think is happening is part of it's your immune response, which can keep COVID under control. But at the same time, it could just be overwhelming the system and causing these heart type issues. The other thing is we don't know how long you're at risk for this. And like she mentioned in her piece there, it could be something that 10, 20, 30 years from now, we're 
are saying, do you smoke? Do you have high cholesterol? Did you have COVID? Um, Those are your risk factors for a heart attack. That's what I'm wondering about because it's it's not like you have COVID, you recover, and the next day these heart events happen. Mm -hmm. There can be the passage of time. There can be the passage of time. And with long COVID being a bigger and bigger issue, we don't know. And the more you have COVID, it seems it puts you at a higher risk, especially in those young adult ages at getting something like this. And so you want to make sure, even if you're vaccinated, you still protect yourself from getting COVID, which means, you know, the things we know that can help. And is there anything you can do? I mean, if you've if you've had COVID and you're young and you're or you're curious, is there anything you can do? So number one, know your risk factors. Keep an eye on yourself, especially if you have a family history of heart disease or heart attacks. You know, keep an eye on yourself. If you notice any of the symptoms we talk about, you know, the chest pain, the shortness of breath, the arm pain, any of those things, then go ahead and get checked out. On top of that, make sure you're vaccinated and you're boosted because that can protect you the most we have protection right now from if you do get COVID of keeping it at mild cases and under control Uh and then mask up. We know we don't like masks. It's been three years of this, but at the same time, it's still out there and it's still causing some problems throughout the day. We still have a lot to learn. Yeah, we sure do. All right, Dr. John, thank you very much. I told you, every word, every single word is a lie. The opposite of every single thing that that idiot said, the opposite is the truth. There's no connection, zero, between heart attacks and what they call COVID. If that were true, people would have been dying in 2020 of heart attacks. That didn't happen. The heart attacks didn't start until the jabs rolled out. That's when that started happening. And his excuse, of course, is it can't be jab-related heart attacks because the jabs haven't had time to do anything yet. If somebody died the day after receiving the jab as a result of a heart attack, it wasn't the jab that caused the heart attack. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But make sure you keep wearing your mask and make sure you get your COVID shots and your booster shots because that's the best way to stay protected, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, come on. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows you're, ha- you're supposed to have as many masks on your face as you are shots in your body. If you have three, well, you should be wearing three masks. If you've gotten your fourth or fifth jab, well, it's four and five masks for you. Everybody knows that. This doctor needs to throw himself off a bridge when this is all said and done. The cognitive dissonance and the denial is so thick right now, it's disgusting. I can hardly listen to these people. I mean, (laughs) honest to God, just the end of it was perfect. It was just perfect, wasn't it? Make sure you wear a mask. Make sure you get your booster shot because, you know, that's the best way. Okay. Okay. Whatever you say, never. I'll never do it. It'll never happen. God, go straight to hell. Here's another doctor. You want to hear another stupid doctor? Here's another guy. At Dr. Carl on Twitter. I put this up on my gap page too. Couldn't, couldn't help it. Had, had to do it. He says this. Based on my 16 years of university education, including degrees in medicine and surgery and physics and mathematics, and having done lots of statistics electives, in the data of the last three years, I have booked my fifth COVID vaccination for Friday the 18th of March. 
to which I responded, Goodbye, Carl. You can't make this up. These people are... They're addicted to it. They're addicted to their brainwashing. They're never going to wake up. This, however, I mean, here's another example of somebody who's slowly waking up. Again, doesn't have the brightest look on his face, but uh, he's been questioned about this before, and it's the Florida Surgeon General. Again, this guy is an administrator. He's a I'll-do-what-you-tell-me kind of guy and whatever else. The Dr. Ladapo fella. Uh, you know, he came out a, a while back and goes, you know what? Young kids don't need to get these shots. They're, they really don't need to. There's really no benefit. I mean, good for him for saying that. But now, this again from the Gateway Pundit, which again doesn't get everything right. They're even defending Simone Gold, I might add. That's beyond pathetic. But this is titled, Florida, Florida Surgeon General Issues New Warning on MRNA COVID Vaccines After Finding That 1,700% Increase in VAERS Reports in Florida Alone. That shouldn't, be, that shouldn't be the only tipping factor for him. There are a thousand reasons why these should never I- exist in any state whatsoever. But ladies and gentlemen, health departments are still functioning. Sheriff's departments aren't investigating this, and they're not going after the, the county health departments. If the county health department falls and removes these shots, the hospitals will do the same. They'll have to. I mean, they, they won't have a choice. Everybody's been taking their own and one another's, I should say, recommendation regarding all of this this entire time. If one of those dominoes falls or one of those dominoes is removed, then they're not going to have any choice but to do the exact same. They'll either double down with their already existing procedures or they will eliminate the shots altogether. But again, it's too late. The Surgeon General for Florida, again, he's, he's late to the party. I want to wrap this up with two hot-off-the-presses peer-reviewed articles here. This first one is from February... Uh, It's going to be published in the Journal of Cardiology Cases, I believe. Yep, there it is. Journal of Cardiology Cases, and it will be published uh, the week after next. But it was published online back on October 11th of 2022. It is titled, Acute Necrotizing Acenophilic Myocarditis Presenting with Cardiogenetic Shock after mRNA booster dose for COVID-19, case report and review of literature. Multiple authors on this, but not according to that doctor on the Today Show. If you listen to him, this isn't real. All of these people must be lying when it comes to heart attacks directly related to the shots. I mean, imagine it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a nice, peaceful... Pretend session for just a second. Imagine the day when NBC doesn't exist anymore. Let's, let's, let's imagine something even cooler. Let's imagine the TV doesn't exist anymore. Basic cable. All these channels, they're just gone because they've all participated in this giant lie. The mass killing of... Numerous populations, the human race across the planet, they all just went along with it, and now all of a the sudden, they're gone now. What a beautiful day that would be if that were to actually be the case. 
in this particular study, it says the following. It says, uh, eosinophilic, if I'm saying that right, myocarditis or EM, is a potentially lethal disease characterized by the eosinophil infiltration of the myocardium. It may arise from several etiologies such as hypersensitivity or autoimmune diseases, infections, or neoplasms. In some cases, the etiology remains unknown and it is defined as idiopathic hypersinophilic syndrome. Clinical manifestations range from mild symptoms to severe syndromes and its severest form, the acute necrotizing EM, also lead to cardiogenic shock. The definitive diagnosis is made through endomyocardial biopsy, while cardiac magnetic resonance may be helpful after the acute phase to identify the structural changes caused by myocarditis. Treatment includes corticosteroids and, in some cases, anticoagulation, together with heart failure therapy and management of cardiac complications. Recently, myocarditis has increasingly emerged as an adverse effect of coronavirus disease 2019 vaccinations. We present the case of a patient who developed cardiogenic shock due to acute necrotizing EM after mRNA dose, booster dose, for COVID-19. This 33-year-old guy was in the hospital 10 days after his Pfizer booster dose and now has heart failure. But again, according to the doctor on the Today Show, none of this is real. There's no correlation between the vaccines and heart attacks and heart failure. And here is the last one. This also from the Journal of Cardiology Cases. This was published January 26th of this year, titled Fulminant Myocarditis with Complete Atrioventricle Block After MRNA COVID-19 Vaccination, a Case Report. Here's the abstract. 71-year-old man was transferred urgently to our hospital after collapsing near his home post the first shot of the BNT162B2 coronavirus disease 2019 vaccine, the Pfizer-BioNTech community. Immediately after the arrival at our hospital, cardiac arrest due to a complete atrioventricle block with no ventricle escaped beats was observed on electrocardiogram. Echocardiography showed preserved left ventricular uh, ejection fraction. However, diffuse severe hypokinesis was revealed after three weeks, and he died three months after admission because of worsening heart failure. An autopsy examination revealed eosinophilic myocarditis and hypersensitivity myocarditis with extensive fibrosis and widespread myocardial dropout throughout the heart, unquote. But according to the doctor on the Today Show, ladies and gentlemen, none of this is real. There is no correlation between 
the COVID shots, one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, and heart attacks, let alone myocarditis and heart failure. There needs to come a day when they can't walk down the street. They're going to have to take their own lives, because if they don't, we will rip them limb from limb. Ladies and gentlemen, lots of info there. Thank you for listening. I will catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.